You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Fantasy Football Today. DFS, it's a special 7.30 show. It's me, it's Meg Schaub. Uh, sorry we couldn't be with you this morning, but I got to be honest, I don't mind the prime time thing every once in a while, Meg. That's right, a little prime time. Like you said, a little early look after dark. I like it. <laughs> there we go, after dark. It reminds me of Pac-12 after dark for all you college football betters, and we're not going to have that anymore. We'll have some semblance of it because there's still going to be late games on the West Coast, but... uh. That whole realignment thing, it's not for me. Fortunately, we're talking NFL. We're not talking college football. By the way, there's already some people in the chat. I do want to point out that our amazing producer, Nada, has already put our contest link. Now, just keep in mind, there's a lot of different slates this week. Meg, you know this as well as anybody. We've got a two-game Saturday slate. That's going to be the topic of discussion for the most part today. Sunday, we have, I believe, what's a nine-game slate. And then Monday, there's a three-game slate. So. Right. As is typical, we're going to cover the two-game slate here, and then Friday when it's me and Mike McClure, we're going to talk about the nine-game Sunday slate and perhaps touch on that Monday slate. I don't know. Maybe there'll be an emergency show during the holiday. If not, maybe a Twitter Spaces to discuss that Monday game. Uh, I don't know, Meg. I, I don't know if you're up for that. Maybe we'll get some other people involved and we'll have this big Twitter Spaces show or something. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, all these short slates right around the holiday, but, you know, it's fun. We love short slates, so we're not going to complain, right? <laughs> It is fun. And speaking of short slates, we have uh, congratulations to give. Uh, Ron Dammit is the screen name. He won the Sunday main slate. And KD Knowles, 644, I guess that's a Florida State fan. He mm -hmm. won the three, he or she, I should say, won the three-game Saturday slate. So congratulations there. We're going to try to touch on um, KD Knowles' lineup at the very end of the show. Uh, you know, it you know, wasn't anything, you know, magical, but it was a very, very good lineup. Pivoted off some people. Uh, that were very popular. And we're going to be talking about pivots like that in, in this one. By the way, if you noticed, I just tweeted out the show. If you could retweet the show just to, like, I don't normally ask you to do that, but or maybe quote tweet it just so that people know we're here because it's just kind of a weird time that, that we're on. Uh, if you don't want to do that, that's cool. Hit the like button. And by the way, Meg, I got to say, before we finally get started, I saw a couple of really good reviews on, on Apple, one of them highlighting you as well. So Awesome. Um, I got to tell you that just because you're relatively a newcomer, even though you've been with us for a couple months now on this show, but um, well, very well that. deserved there. I believe it was a five-star review. We appreciate everybody doing that. Hello, Albert. Hello, hello Arturo. Let's get started. Sure. If you don't mind, Meg, on Saturday, we've got the two games. We've got Bengals at Steelers and we've got Bills at Chargers. I think a lot of the fireworks from a roster construction standpoint and from a building standpoint are probably going to be in that second game, which we'll get to in a second. But Bengals minus one and a half at Pittsburgh. It's a 37 point total. Just so everybody knows, 
This one starts at 4.30, and the Bills-Chargers game at SoFi starts at 8 o'clock. This has a lot of interesting angles. First of all, I'll note that this total, I believe, and I don't think this is weather-related because I think the weather is going to be fine. You know, maybe a, maybe a touch of wind, but I think it's going to be in the mid-40s, maybe a slight chance of rain. This total went down from 38.5 from really last night to 37. Uh, for whatever reason, maybe that's, you know, talking, we're talking Mason Rudolph here ultimately, but, and of course, Jamar Chase looking like he may not play in this one. Meg, you'd agree with me. It's, it's probably more likely than not that he does not play. It doesn't seem like it. No. Yeah. I think that that is definitely the case. Yeah. All right. Charger 65. Meg is definitely a great addition to the show with Thank an you. exclamation point. Thank you. Charger 65. <laughs> Love to okay, hear so- it. Yeah, exactly. So listen, I, I guess maybe Steelers fans, uh, maybe not happy to hear the following. Mason Rudolph is your quarterback. I will say this. Uh, I watched Mason Rudolph back at Oklahoma State. I'm kind of a bit of a Mason Rudolph truther. I, I do think, he, at the very least, I saw him showcase his arm, at least at least his touch on the long ball uh, at Oklahoma State. So th- there's something to be said for that. I mean, neither of these guys, Mason Rudolph or Jake Browning, really have much by way of strength when it comes to arm strength. But I do think they're both competent quarterbacks i'm looking at their yardage totals because some of the props are out for these two games not Mm -hmm. all but some mason rudolph's just so everybody knows his yardage prop 193 and a half 234 and a half for jake browning let me start with this meg because again i know people and and by the way it's very easy to stack josh allen with with the way pricing is i just i want everybody to know who hasn't built yet which is like basically none of you i've I've built a couple of lineups just just to see what i could pull off right I, i i was able to pull off first of all I started with Josh Allen and I was going to try to build without Stefan Diggs just because I didn't think I'd be able to. So I wanted to get all the points, right? So I got Josh Allen, I got James Cook, I put in Dalton Kincaid, and I believe I had one other, yeah, Gabe Davis. I took a flyer on Gabe Davis, even though he's been like catchless for like five years now. But with that <laughs> said, I was able to pull that that stack off and I had so much money left over that I was like, well, let me try to experiment with getting Diggs into a lineup. Now it did change my construction quite a bit, but I was able to get Cook. Diggs and Josh Allen in a lineup. And I was able to make a lineup that I was still pretty fond of. So mm-hmm. I want to put it out there that you can go to that Josh Allen stack and feel comfortable with how you build. But with all of that said, sticking with Bengals Steelers, do you have any interest at 4,800 in Mason Rudolph or at 6,100 in Jake Browning and building a stack around either of them? I think yes, because again, this is more just the short slate strategy, which we enjoy talking about in these shows as well, more than it's, it's the players. Yes. We got to talk about the players, but it's also the way you build. And mm-hmm. you just made the exact case for everybody's probably going to be building a Josh Allen stack. No, and I'm yeah. not saying he's going to be 99% owned, but he's going to be incredibly high owned. And is he likely going to be the highest scoring quarterback? Yes. But are there ways where he cannot be? Yes. So I want to take chances and on, on a couple other quarterbacks and, Browning would be the one. I'm going to probably ignore the Steelers situation because there is a slim chance that it could actually be Pickett. Um, I, I'm sure that's doubtful, oh, yeah. but they're leaving mm-hmm. the door open is the quote that that they're yeah. leaving the door open for Pickett. But again, likely it'll be Rudolph. So I'm more likely to do some Browning stacks with Higgins. And so so the answer is yes. I'm not going to go all in on Allen because I've seen this movie play out before. And there are ways where the, the you know, the guy that seems the most optimal isn't the most optimal and you can get massive leverage on that. It's very true. And and so, you know, it's funny the way you put that because I think because you can build Josh Allen stacks like fairly easily, they're Mm -hmm. not like the best lineups in the world in terms of like what, like, I I don't know how, like 
what their optimal rate will be ultimately because of some of the other pieces you have to put in there. But because it's relatively easy to build those mm -hmm. stacks, people are going to go that route, which is why, like, listen, you, you can still go that route. Obviously, Meg's not saying you, you shouldn't go the Josh Allen route, but it, it begs the question, okay, well, if, if, if there, there are scenarios where Josh Allen, maybe it's, it's truly just a James Cook day, which it kind of was a few days ago. If we're being honest, Josh Allen had an okay game. He had two rushing touchdowns. He only had one passing touchdown. Mm -hmm. He should have had two. James Cook actually dropped uh, one of them. But <laughs> the long and short of it is there are paths where you can – you can you can try to stack this game and, and you can try to get a lot of pieces in this game and and still get pieces of that Buffalo Bills lineup with like a James Cook with one of the primary receivers like a Stephon Diggs and you, that doesn't mean you have to stack it uh, with Josh Allen so I do think being creative here and keeping in mind that you can play cash too like don't forget that so you can kind of go all in with a like a contrarian build contrarian strategy in your tournament lineups and still allocate some of your funds to cash games with some of the more conventional plays like like the right. standard like josh allen type stacks and and some of the popular players that we're going to see on this slate but meg let's move on to some of these other guys so let, before we get to you mentioned t higgins mm -hmm. uh and t higgins is obviously a great play 6500 with no jamar chase he makes sense i think guys like boyd and Irwin and especially Tanner Hudson at 3,600 really make it into the conversation in kind of a big way here. But forgetting about them for a second, Mixon 6,800, Chase Brown's 4,900, Warren 5,400, Najee 5,000. I know some people are like, why are you even bringing those guys up? I hate them. I don't want to play them. Of those, of those running backs in this Bengals Steelers game, is there one or two that you have your eye on, whether it's a contrarian play or a conventional one? I would say I'm open to all four, to be quite honest, because, again, I, like I talked about this last week when we talked short slate and short slates. It's like I have priority spends. I have guys I'm kind of fading and then I have just guys that I'm open to if it fits correctly. And I'm open to all these guys, actually. And, you know, for the Steelers, hopefully they'll come in low owned because, yeah, they did burn us last week bad. Mm -hmm. um, and, but they have yet another. And it was shocking because the Colts were a great run. Uh, uh, they were a great matchup. They were a bad run defense and a great matchup. This is the same situation. I mean, we saw Ty Chandler run all over them last week. So, you know, I think there's no reason that the Steelers couldn't. This is a good matchup for these the, both these backs. You know, pick pick which one you want. They're they truly are still splitting it. Um, so, you know, I, I'm open to either of the Steelers running backs because they do have a good matchup. And I'm open to mixing, you know, mixing you know, still gets the ball. You got the touchdown last week. They still are utilizing Chase Brown more. So if you need that money, then I'm open to that because he, you know, definitely can be used in the passing game. And they were giving him some carries as well. So I'm open to all these guys. You know, I think there's a pretty good argument, especially if Kenny Pickett's not playing and if it's Mason Rudolph. Honestly, I think this is a good argument, even if Kenny Pickett is playing. But mm -hmm. there's a good argument to go back to Warner Najee, especially if ownership is really down on them. Because A, it's a good matchup, and B, if Mason Rudolph is your quarterback and Mike Tomlin is your coach, pretty good chance you're leaning on the run as much as you possibly can. Uh, right. So, I mean, I, I and again, you have to pick right, and these guys actually have to be efficient for once. Uh, but at the same time, like it, it's not outside the realm of possibility, especially usually what happens when Warren and Najee are even in the conversation. One usually becomes the more popular mm -hmm. of the other. Like we have Warren at 5,400, Najee at 5,000. My guess is Najee is going to be slightly more popular and Warren, you know, is going to be pretty low owned. I mean, it, all the more reason, Meg, probably to mix in some Warren in your lineups because we've seen from Warren before. Like, I don't think Warren's a bad running back. I don't think he's like amazing, but I don't think he's a bad running back. I mean, he's a north. He's he runs north south, and when he gets a hole, he usually, you know, can do something with it. We just haven't seen it lately. So, 
of those four running backs, I think Warren is somebody I'm going to have my eye on. I probably won't be in on Chase Brown. I'm not sure I'm going to be on Joe Mixon either. I, I think both of these are like Mixon is obviously like the player to have here at 6,800. He's probably going to be relatively popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the more reason maybe I play him in my cash games and then and then I'm out from there. Your thoughts on that? Because I, I as far as the running back position is concerned, I got to think he's the most popular guy. Right. Yeah, definitely. Kind of like the Josh Allen situation. I think he's going to be the most popular, but again, it could be the right call for a reason. So yeah. I definitely think, you know, have you have your exposure to him in cash or single entries, you know, small fields, that kind of stuff. But if you want to be more contrarian, he's an interesting, you know, kind of to pivot away from him to, if you're looking to get more contrarian, but I, I definitely am still open to him. I'm not like looking to do like a massive fade on him. Um, again, it's going to be really, really, I think what fits. Um, so I, I would word it, phrase it like that. So I'll have a little yeah. mix him, but not over, you know, overweight. And for the record, when I was saying most popular, I was saying in this game, because I think James Cook yeah. likely at 6,900, likely to be the most popular uh, running back on this slate. Okay, let's touch on receivers before we get to, to Bill's charges. And I'm going to include Friar Muth and Hudson in this conversation mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking about receivers. But, you know, Chase at 7,500, likely out. Higgins, 6,500, likely to be quite popular. I don't mind fading him, especially in my Bill stacks where I'm just going super heavy, like onslaught on the Bills. Um, it's very possible Higgins doesn't make it into those lineups. Uh, for obvious reasons, I wouldn't be able to afford him anyway. Um, Boyd at 4,600, Trent Irwin. I'm not really interested in those two pieces. I'd rather pay down for Tanner Hudson at 3,600. Um, but obviously, like I think Higgins and Hudson are the most attractive to me on on the Bengal side. And uh, listen, I think it's a toss up on, on on the Steelers side. I even think Allen Robinson at a flat 3K. If you really need to jam in a 3K guy, I believe he caught three of three targets last week. I don't hate that play. Which of these receivers do you like, Meg? I kind of agree with you. From the Bengals side, for me, the priority is going to be Higgins and Tanner Hudson. Tanner Hudson just has been, seems to be getting more and more looks, um, especially with Browning. So seems to be consistent four or five targets each week. I believe he got over 40 yards last week because I kind of, I did the alt prop and I was like, oh, right. Yeah. So I got that. So um, uh, I'm definitely interested in Higgins, then Hudson. And then again, I'd be willing to go to Boyd. I don't think I have a lot of interest in Irwin. On the Steelers side, Deontay Johnson's my priority or my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. Pickens just keeps burning me each each week. I keep going back expecting some that explosive game because I know the talent's there. I know it's mm-hmm. there. It just we haven't seen it, and so in a while. So I, you know, again, I'm willing to go to Pickens. Don't know that I'll get to Allen Robinson much. So I'd say for me, it's mostly Deontay Johnson, maybe a little bit of Pickens. Don't see me doing Robinson as much. Maybe a little bit of Fryermuth, but I think. I do Tanner Hudson over Fryer Muth. So yeah, I'd say that's how I'd rank those. Right. And by the way, Deontay Johnson, for a guy who like never caught touchdown passes, he's got three touchdowns in his last three games. Uh, you know, he's not getting a ton of volume, but his volume isn't bad. I mean, for listen, for Deontay Johnson, it's kind of bad, but considering what this Pittsburgh offense has mm-hmm. been, five, seven, and six targets, or I should go by the last five games, eight, eight, five, seven, and six has has been his target share over the last five games. And the last two games, 13 targets. Uh, seven receptions. I mean, it's not it's not terrible for a receiver, by the way, that's 5,100 and probably right. outside of T. Higgins in this game, the most talented receiver. I don't know. I think Deontay's better than George Pickens, but I understand the, the alternate argument. I just think from a reception standpoint, I, from a volume standpoint, I, I feel like Deontay, uh, to your point, m- might be that guy. Exactly. No, that's why he's my priority on Pittsburgh by far, for sure. Now, let me ask you this before we move on to Bill's Chargers. 
Is there a scenario? Because we also, when we talk about these two game slates, we also have to talk about, you know, game flow or, 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 mm-hmm. or I should say game script. Like, are there game scripts where the Steelers are down early and Mason Rudolph has to throw? Like, I just think if you're in like a, like a big tournament and you just want to YOLO a lineup, you know, Mason Rudolph to, to Fryermuth and either Deontay or, or, or Pickens, like certainly a double stack there. Um, I mean, I suppose on a two-game slate, you could even triple stack that, but I, I don't know that I'd go that far. But I, I can see a scenario where you play Mixon on one side and let's say even the Bengals' defense mm-hmm. because they just generate a lot of turnovers or whatever the case may be. It's just a bad game for the Steelers in general, including Mason Rudolph. But again, if Mason Rudolph turns the ball over, good news, he gets the ball right back. Right. And so like Mason Rudolph to a couple of pass catchers and Mixon and the Cincy defense on the other side, and then you just load up on whatever Bills' chargers you have left. Would you even consider that considering he's only 4,800? I would consider it just because, again, these short slates, we've seen it time and time again. What was it? Um, I believe last Monday, Will Levis, I think, was the optimal quarterback. Why? Yeah. The exact same script that you said. He was in a trailing mm-hmm. script. He had to get two quick touchdowns at the end of the game. He ends up being the optimal quarterback on a slate with Tua Tungavailoa. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. I, and, and Jordan Love. So we definitely wouldn't have ranked the four quarterbacks playing that Monday night Will Levis was third or fourth, and and he was the highest scoring. So, you know, that's why these short slates, especially these two-game slates, you do have to be kind of willing to look at everybody. Again, depending on how many lineups you're running, that's a question for yourself, too. If you're only running three, you might want to play it safer. If you're running Mm -hmm. 10, that's where you might say, okay, I'll do – one or two Rudolph, I'll do one or two Browning. I might even do an Easton stick, you know, that, and that's how you can kind of, you know, get more contrarian with like a third or fourth of your lineups. That's how I kind of look at just ask yourself how many lives you're playing and then decide you're kind of how risk adverse you want to be. And and then maybe appropriate that as far as the the quarterbacks that would be more risky, but you, you would gain a lot if they did end up the most optimal. And I think on a short slate, that's really important to consider because we're obviously we, we want to pick the like the best players just to, to some degree. Uh, we, but we, but if we do that and they're popular players, we want to make sure our roster construction is is slightly different so that we're, you know, maybe it's an onslaught stack instead of just like a regular stack or whatever the case may be. But another way to sort of conceive of how you want to construct your lineups is alternate game scripts. And I know that sounds like really obvious, but I don't think on these slates people are really thinking of that. They're just jamming in, okay, who do I have to have? And then like, and then what, what am I going to do from here? Like, am I going to be different? Like, am I going to be conventional? What, whatever the case may be. But if you can anticipate perhaps a, a different game script than maybe what others anticipate, then you're automatically going to have probably a different construction and, and different players at that. So uh, that's one way to kind of conceive of a two-game slate. Think of alternate game scripts, and that includes this Bills-Chargers game. I, I love know, that. The Chargers, yeah. Maybe the Chargers get out, get up early, or maybe the Bills get up early, and they just kind of like mail it in the rest of the way with James Cook, and that's really the only piece you need. Or maybe, you know, Lat Murray gets in the game, or whoever mm-hmm. it is. I think Lat Murray is healthy. He kind of was right. in and out of that game. Okay, we're going to get to that game. If you have questions, let us know in the chat. But before we get to that game, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alejandro, I want to answer your question, but it, like, there's so many players involved here. It looks like a math equation. And because this is a DFS show and we go at a quicker pace, I probably, if you have like an either or, I'm happy to answer that, uh, especially if you give us the teams they're playing against early in the week. I don't have automatic recall or, or Meg doesn't um, necessarily on these teams, but uh, yeah, I, I I can't solve that that equation there. But I mean, definitely versus- prioritize CMC. I'd say I can see CMC just <laughs> sticks out at me there. <laughs> yes, uh, Tokyo Thrift says I hope this is the week that Diggs goes off. Well, uh, professional transition Tokyo Thrift because we're going to talk Bills minus eleven and a half at the Chargers. It's a forty-four point total again. This game starts at eight o'clock. The first game starts at four thirty. So if you have plans with your family or your significant other or whoever, uh, you can do that in the morning, in the early afternoon, and. Uh, then you watch football the rest of the day and night. You've, you've done your duty, if you will. Uh, so just listen, J- Josh Allen's 8,100. I told you he's pretty easy to play. Easton Stick, 5,500. I think, Meg, between these two, and by the way, I did look up, like, again, some props are out. Josh Allen's passing prop is 237.5. Easton, Easton Sticks is 199.5. And for the record, 28.5 rushing yards is the prop for Josh Allen, 14.5 rushing yards for Easton Stick. You know, I don't know that of all the of all the quarterbacks, I think Easton Stick is the guy I'm I'm sort of least likely to play. But then you get into that argument, like you know how contrarian is too contrarian. Like you know maybe maybe that means you, you throw him in a couple of lineups. I don't think I can get there with Easton Stick because I don't like in terms of in terms of quarterbacks that I'm going to take a flyer on. I think it's the other game. I like I, I'm happy to take a contrarian flyer on somebody. I just don't think Easton Stick is the guy. I think Mason Rudolph is plenty contrarian. Uh, then again, he's probably in a big-time negative game script, and he has weapons like Palmer that he hit like deep late in the game. I mean, granted, it was late when the game was already over against the Raiders, but he does have weapons. Gerald Everett is a weapon, a low-price weapon. Josh Palmer is a weapon. So the Easton Stick stack, it makes some sense in a, in a short slate. Would you consider it? I would just because we saw it kind of, I mean, not get there in a big way, but I still think he cleared 20 DraftKings points in that just debacle of a Thursday game against the Raiders. And yes, so much of it came in garbage time, but you know, as fantasy players, we know we don't care what's garbage time or not. So um, I I could certainly see a similar scenario, just like you painted the, the kind of the bull case for, for Rudolph, you could certainly paint the same kind of case just because of game skip script alone, that they are so down, you know, that they have to do what they did similar on, on Thursday. And just, he's throwing the whole second half. And by the way, I know his rushing prop, a lot of people were on that um, Mm -hmm. on Thursday and that he ran a good bit in college. So it was surprising to me that he didn't run more. They even talked about that on the broadcast. So it'd be interesting to see if second game, he maybe uses his legs a little more, which would certainly help his, his floor. So, that's my way of saying again let's just use the number 10 if i'm doing 10 lineups i would maybe allocate one or two to easton stick because that will by far be the most contrarian and you know i i think it's just the whole game script factor i agree what's interesting about easton stick is he played at north dakota state which of course is a d1 double a school that loves to love loves to loves to run the ball like triple option that's not triple option type stuff but it's certainly like 
wings and you're, you know, you're running the ball. Like I, their, their run rate's got to be in like the 65, 70%. And I know that because I went to James Madison and when James Madison was D one double a in the playoffs, when it got to the final four, it was usually North Dakota state, James Madison, maybe South Dakota state, Montana, you know, those types of teams were in there. So I, you know, when it comes to Easton stick, I, I think it's more, if he's running around and scrambling, he might run, but I don't think you're going to see the type of obviously like the design runs that he mm. saw when he was playing in college. So I don't know that it like fully translates with that said, I mean, he is somewhat athletic. I mean, he can definitely, he can definitely get there. Um, I'm starting to like kind of change my mind that like maybe he's actually playable in a, in like a deeply negative game script. And, and right. I think you can do so many things again, it's a short slate. So you can play James cook. You can play, Josh Diggs, I mean, not Josh Diggs. Um, you can play Stefan Diggs. And it allows you, if you were to play the Easton Sticks stack, because I, I understand pricing is soft, but it's not so soft that you can include like Eckler and Mixon and Higgins and Diggs, like all in your lineup. So mm -hmm. it would allow you to do an Easton Stick stack with Eckler, who I don't like, by the way, but I got to admit, he's very like cheaply priced at 7,200 and would allow you to like double stack that or maybe even triple stack it with Josh Palmer. Gerald Everett, and you could still have money because of how low he's priced. You'd still have money for Stefan Diggs on the way back or, or, you know, James Cook or, you know, maybe like a low end like Gabe Davis or Dalton Kincaid. So it does allow you to do some very clever things that are intriguing. Right. So hard for me to look away from Josh Allen. And, and I'm thinking maybe my onslaught stack with Josh Allen will just be different. Than most, I know a lot mm -hmm. of people, even in a two-game slate, they like to spread themselves thin and just like grab all all the pieces. But if I just decide to fade that first game and I kind of go all in on Bills Chargers and I take one or two pieces, literally just one or two from Bengals Steelers, like maybe that's how I get different with my Josh Allen stack. And we've talked about that a lot too. And another way to get creative on these short slates is to onslaught a team, and that can even mm -hmm. include the defense. I think on Thanksgiving, yes. the the play was. You know, you could do Dallas defense and Dak and three other Cowboys, you know, and, and and that could certainly be in play for the Bills here. Josh Allen, you know, two or three Bills and the Bills defense. I think that's absolutely in play to just fully onslaught it and fill in where you can. So, you know, I know we've we've painted cases of why you could get contrarian at quarterback play. But of course, Josh Allen is the optimal play. And again, as to your earlier point, you can make it work. And I think the unique way to make it work would be in an onslaught. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, um, there's a question from Adam. He says, do you think Chase or Allen play this week? Am I missing? Like, is, he's not referring to Josh Allen, is he? Um, I don't. Oh, Keenan Allen. Um, oh, Keenan Allen okay. was at, uh, I believe I read that Keenan Allen was at practice. I don't know if he was limited. I, I don't know the extent of it. So to the earlier point, you know, if Keenan Allen is active, um, I will have some interest potentially, mm -hmm. especially if it was a contrarian Easton stick stack and potentially even as a bring back in this game with a Josh Allen stack, because you talked about not liking Eckler. If, if we say Allen, if we hear that Allen is full go, I'm interested in Allen the most from the, the charger side. Yeah. And Adam, a uh, good question. I, I, uh, there's so many Allens in the league. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, My head went to Josh Allen first too. And yeah. then I was like, Oh, Keenan. Yeah. So I don't think Jamar Chase plays. I do think uh, I do think Keenan Allen plays, and I know Meg agrees with that. So yeah, I mean, again, I, I mentioned the Easton Stick stack, and I didn't even mention Keenan Allen. So obviously he's in play. I I, I guess I would want to play him, but I, I do think Eckler is really interesting, sort of with the dump offs. I'm, by the way, if you play Easton Stick, you can play both. You can play Eckler and Keenan Allen. I think I really want to jam in Josh Palmer. Maybe he's going to be so popular that 
that because we did see him kind of show out. I mean, he's also a good receiver. He came off the injury yeah. um, injury list just to, like last week. So I think Palmer's in play. You know, Quinn Johnson, probably not super interested. Jalen Guyton, Erickson, probably not super interested there. But yeah, these Easton stick. And by the way, if you do a Josh Allen stack and you don't include Diggs, and even if you include like Higgins in the other game or Mixon, if you don't include Diggs, you can you have money to to bring it back with Keenan or Austin Eckler pretty right. easily. So I like that. again, it's pretty easy to get some of these key guys into your lineup. I think I'm I think I'm more inclined to to play between. The, okay, let me ask you this: between Eckler and Keenan Allen, if you can only play one, forget about Price. I mean, seventy two hundred, seventy nine hundred. It's kind of a big difference, but okay, include Price. Would you rather play Eckler at seventy two hundred or Keenan Allen at seventy nine hundred? As long as Keenan Allen is a full go, you know, no yeah. questionable health, it would be Keenan Allen for me, even though he's a little priced a little higher. Okay. Let's talk about, um, let's just real quick touch on Gabe Davis and, and let's say Khalil Shakir uh, before we get into tight ends. Shakir just has it with Dawson Knox back. Shakir just mm-hmm. hasn't had much of a role at all. Gabe Davis is one of those guys that like at some point, even though I believe he has zero catches in three games in a row, I'm pretty sure that's mm-hmm. the stat, which is like hilarious. He's like, actually the wide receiver too. I don't know that there's a wide receiver too in the league that has zero catches in three straight games, or at least the last three straight games. With that said, at 5,300, a flyer on Gabe Davis, if he's going to be relatively low owned, which I believe he will be, I mean, I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't, um, I don't love it because it makes me, yeah. it's an uncomfortable click, right? You know, like it's, it, it'll make me nervous. But again, especially in those Bills onslaughts, you know, I think, um, getting him more involved would make sense. And and that certainly, again, just like they say in showdown, you're, t- you know, you tell yourself a story. I think in these short slates, it's one extra game. You're telling yourself a story of how the game, how the, the slate's going to go. And if you think it's just a Bill's onslaught and they're kind of all getting there, then I definitely think Gabe Davis has to be in play. And by the way, when we're referencing onslaught, we're really just saying we're really stacking Mm-hmm. one side of the ball here and, and not in not in your like typical way where it's like josh allen to step on digs like we might go and again it's a two-game slate so it gives you the liberty to and by the way the the the, the three-game slate or was it yeah the three-game slate on saturday like you could have done that with the detroit lions for example um not that you needed golf in your lineup necessarily to do really well but golf laporta amon ross st brown jameer gibbs you could have yep. put all of them in a lineup even though even it was even though it was a three-game slate and you would have done amazingly so same concept here but almost almost like highlighted, almost even more accentuated because we only have the two games. And frankly, one of these games could be a complete dud. And while, you know, while people might have like 30, 40% equity in, in some of the players in the first game, what if mm-hmm. that's a complete dud and there's really nobody that, that goes off or there's just one, you know, one person that goes off now in this second game, you've got, you've, you've got all your equity stacked up in, in what might be the 45 or, or 50 point game. So those are things to consider. Uh, are you interested at all, Megan Dalton Kincaid or Dawson Knox? I don't have a ton of interest there just because I haven't seen it. Maybe it's because I haven't seen it recently. Um, yeah. Probably more in pain down uh, for Knox if needed. Um, but yeah, I, I know, I think I believe Kincaid was banged up. And then, like you said, Knox coming back, it just, it just, it's like they're shuffling the, the deck chairs and it's hard to know who to trust outside of digs. And so it, it's tough. And we're saying, you know, you, you can be open to onslaughts, but of course the most comfortable onslaught is probably, um, Josh Allen, Cook, Diggs, the defense, getting these other pieces do make me nervous because the usage just isn't 
something that we can trust. Um, is it is it something you could take a flyer on and have success with? Yes, we've seen Gabe Davis have these massive games. I think yeah. one of these tight ends could have a two touchdown game. Of course, that's in the range of outcomes. So I know I need to be open to it, but it's definitely way more uncomfortable for me. And I would probably be more more comfortable with like a Gerald Everett in this game or a Tanner Hudson. Or even I will point out. Um, yeah, by the way, a good point on Gerald Everett at 3,500. Uh, I like him quite a bit as well. Yeah. He's got, let's see, last game, five catches, five receptions on eight targets, 41 yards. The game before that, five receptions on eight targets for 39 yards. And for the record, I think he's got four catches or at least four catches in each of his last four games. I think that's the stat on him. And frankly, he seems to be one of the few people that's like really playing hard and looks like super healthy. Right. Agreed. I think there's something to be said for that, given the state of things with the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes. So, by the way, Meg, we're not ruling double tight end out, are we? No, I never do on short slates because, again, if it just fits and allows me to get, you know, maybe all the other stud pieces at the the running back and receiver position or and quarterback position, then I am definitely – not ruling that out because you just you you know it, these are the kind of slates where you just kind of don't make rules uh, and right. and I, I kind of like that <laughs> absolutely absolutely the the main rule is to be uh, unconventional that doesn't mean be unconventional with all the players you pick it means be unconventional with mm-hmm. the manner in which you construct your roster this you, this right. is giving you liberty to not construct like you do on a main slate or even on like an afternoon slate where there's three or four games I did want to point something out. Um, before we'll, we'll look at uh, we'll look at the three game slate lineup from last Saturday before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we do that, I just wanted to point out the props are out on Josh Allen's passing yards, which I mentioned two thirty seven and a half. They're out on James Cook's rushing yards seventy and a half, which I believe is going to be the highest on the slate among the running backs on this Saturday slate. And Diggs seventy and a half receiving yards, which I believe is going to be the highest receiving yard total on the slate. So it kind of gives credence to why. You know, a Josh Allen, James Cook, Stefan Diggs uh, stack might be uh, like maybe maybe not an optimal play. Certainly maybe an optimal play in your cash games, but also maybe an optimal play in tournaments or at least optimal from a production standpoint. Obviously, right. we can't determine uh, optimal until we're looking at ownership and, and things of that nature, but uh, too way too early for that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, Nada, I think it's – Meg, did, did we miss anything on this game? I mean, we didn't – I think we pretty much talked about every player other than like Isaiah Spiller at 4,400. That's what I was going to say if you wanted to yeah. go that way. I don't have a ton of interest in doing that just because you just need him to break one, I think, for mm-hmm. him to pay off. So I don't see myself going there. Again, those those kind of 
fourth, fifth charger options, especially if Keenan Allen's back, no interest. So no, yeah. we pretty much covered every everybody in this game. Yeah, I think we did as well. Okay, let's bring up that lineup. Nada already on it. Um, there was another lineup I was going to bring up, but I actually, unfortunately, I forgot which contest I brought up. Maybe we'll bring it up anyway, not after this one, but this is KD Knowles 644. Uh, he or she won our contest with uh, what looks like 177.12.12 points. Jared Goff. Okay. So that, that that's how we started off with Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta. Um, he could have even, he or she could have even thrown Jameer Gibbs in here and, and it would have been mm-hmm. great. Zach Moss was a pretty standard play. Unfortunately got injured. Uh, I I'll tell you on the Saturday slate, it's funny. I, I had hundreds of dollars in it. You know, I'm not like a huge, like thousands of dollars yet, but I had hundreds of dollars in the Saturday slate. I had way more in the Sunday slate, which didn't go quite as well for me this week. I had been doing pretty well, but uh, Sunday was not great. However, you, you, you want to know how much I won on Saturday? Like I had a net profit. I want you to guess, knowing that I, that I, that I had hundreds of dollars out there, take that for whatever you think it is. Guess how much money I won. I'm guessing the way you're wording this, you you about broke even and, and you won hundreds of dollars and it just was a break even. Is that, did I guess right? You kind of waffled there with how you finished that <laughs> sentence. I, I literally won $1. Okay. that Okay. So like, yes, break even. The actual <laughs> singular dollar was my profit. So when people were like, hey, did, did you win on the Saturday slate? I was, like, I was hey, to the good. Oh yeah, I won. <laughs> I just left it at that. But anyway, uh, Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam, Sam Laporta. I, I loved Sam Laporta. I wasn't mm-hmm. as big on really Jared Goff or Amon Ross St. Brown because I was so in on the Minshew lineups. And Minshew was fine. Obviously, he had a good game too. But uh, this one made sense. Zach Moss, like I said, Ty Chandler made a ton of sense at 5,300 with Alexander Madison being out. Uh, this person took a flyer on Alec Pierce. I don't mind that at all. We discussed it. It just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, T. Higgins was really where he made his money because he faded Jamar Chase and he played T. Higgins. This is a really smart play. Like we, we knew certain players were going to be really popular. Like Michael Pittman was going to be popular. Um, Jamar Chase was going to be popular. Like to, to you don't want to fade everybody, but if you can just fade one of those guys and get another guy in that game, you're getting so much leverage if it actually hits. Turns out Jamar Chase really wasn't having a good game anyway, and then got injured, and T. Higgins was able to put together a really good game, some spectacular moments for T. Higgins. And then Jalen Warren in his flex spot, Colts defense. So obviously there were a couple pieces that weren't very good here, but for the most part, really great lineup. That The pivot from Chase to T. Higgins is really what won this person, uh, the our FFT DFS tournament. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, um, our tournament's live for Saturday. I only made it 150. Only the top 15 get paid. It's only five bucks. Um, get in that, and we'll feature the the winning lineup like we always do. Not a, before we get out of here, since we just have a couple extra minutes, let's bring up the other lineup I sent you. I believe, Meg. I believe this was in a contest with like many. Th- I, I wish I I wish I had the time to go back and look at it, but I believe it was in, it, with like thousands of people, and I just can't remember if it was like in the 20,000s or if it was in like the the five thousands. Not a. Do we have that? We we might not have it. Oh, we do. Okay, cool. All right. Um, here it is. So the reason I'm bringing this up, though, because again, this was in a bigger contest, not like the hundred and fifty that we had in our contest. This is definitely thousands, more than a thousand. I think I think it was in the five to ten thousand range, and it was one hundred ninety nine point zero two. This person won fifteen thousand dollars, and it was a three game slate, kind of similar to a two game slate, but certainly not the same. And let's see what let's see what this person did. Uh, Tim V64, Jared Goff, Jameer Gibbs, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta. So again, we're onslaughting it, right? We are just mm-hmm. saying we are committing to a theory 
that Detroit is going to score all the points. And that makes sense, right? They had the highest total. They had the highest implied total. But the difference in this lineup winning is this Tim didn't say to himself, all right, well, this has the highest total. So I'm stacking golf with Amon Ross St. Brown. He didn't say I'm stacking golf with Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs. He's like, no, no, I'm going all in. This is a short slate. Right. Let me take every guy that I think could smash with Jared Goff. And he put three of them in there and all three of them smashed. And are, are any of us surprised that all three of them smashed all at the same time? Meg, are you surprised? No, not at all. I was very heavy on line stacks and had a profitable day. I can't remember the the, the profitability amount, but it was a profitable day um, <clears throat> because I did do lines kind of onslaughts. And I kind of did what I even threw Jameson Williams in there for cheap, just as, yeah. as, as he did. And it's like, you know, for his price, he, you know, he, he wasn't the, the, the snowflake play. He was, you know, you got 40, what, four for 47. So yeah, I, I love doing that. If you're confident on a team and, you know, when a team, when a quarterback throws for five touchdowns, just everybody can get involved. And that's what happened here. And the only way he was able to do this, construct this lineup, because let's not forget, like some of these pieces, Goff was the most expensive quarterback. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was expensive at 6,700. Amir, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, 7,900. Sam Laporta, 6,000. Look in this lineup. If you're listening, I'll just tell you the lineup. It's Goff, Gibbs, Warren, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams. Oh, I forgot. He included Jamison Williams. I'm sorry. You just pointed that out. Jamison Williams is in, in this lineup. So talk about onslaughts. Yes. Uh, Addison, Laporta, Ty Chandler, Steelers. What's missing from this lineup? Wow. He really, really stacked. Again, this is how you can succeed on a two-game slate. This is a three-game slate, but the concept is exactly the same in terms of how Tim handled this. What's missing is Jamar Chase. What's missing is Michael Pittman. Mm -hmm. uh, what's missing is Zach Moss. So, I mean, listen, I, I don't know that like he got lucky. Like, let, let's let's be real here. This is this is a really fun, it's a great lineup. He won 15,000. But it took probably, probably, it took Zach Moss, Michael Pittman, and Jamar Chase getting injured for this lineup to win, if we're being honest. However, I will say this: Jamar Chase was not trending to having a good game. Right. So fading Jamar Chase like actually was going to probably work out for him regardless. And we don't know that both Zach Moss and Michael Pittman were going to definitely like have monster games. I think Pittman, I think we can safely say probably was headed that way. But right. the point is injuries happen in the NFL. And mm -hmm. sometimes you have the Jamar Chase thing where they, they just end up being flat. So th there are situations like if it was me, I think I might have constructed this lineup and tried to find room to get one of those three guys I mentioned. I wouldn't have minded fading Chase at all, but maybe because Moss was relatively inexpensive, maybe I would have tried to find a way to get him in there. But he faded three of the monsters and it really paid off. Meg. Well, and Addison outscored Jefferson. That's the yes. other thing. What was so unique about that first game, Higgins outscores Chase, Addison outscores Jefferson right there. It flips the slate to, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you started honestly with those two, and he, I don't believe he even has Higgins in this one. If you started with those two, you were just in such, and Ty Chandler, you're in such a good situation. So, you know, I know it's hard to fade the studs, especially on these short slates, but you can make cases for it because when they fail, you can get a lot of leverage. Especially when the wide receiver two is talented. Because mm -hmm. in the Colts case, I was going to play 100% Pittman, which is, by the way, what I did. I was because, yes. listen, Alec Pierce, I mean, like, like who, who are we talking about that's actually going to gobble up targets? Like Hal Granson, Mo Ali Cox, like who is that wide receiver two going to be there? It's going, and we knew that because Michael Pittman had, what, nine catches in each of his last three games, averaging 100 yards. But in the case of the Cincinnati Bengals, we know T. Higgins is talented. We mm -hmm. know he's like a legitimate, not superstar, but certainly a star. So it, it's a lot easier to appreciate the idea of fading Jamar Chase 
for T Higgins rather than fading, let's say Michael Pittman. So there are, and, and Addison is the same thing. Addison is an emerging star and like Jefferson was coming off, uh, like being banged up. It, it made sense that maybe Jefferson wasn't going to have a big game. So these are the types of pivots that you can like, you can picture it in your head. Like, okay, right. I could see T Higgins. It could be a T Higgins game. Like I can see that. I could see it being a Jordan Addison game. So um, interesting lineup, but I, I thought I wanted to, I wanted to show that more than anything just for uh, like onslaught purposes. This guy really went in on a game, and that's exactly what I think you should be doing uh, for this one. Uh, any other comments that we missed, Meg? No, I think that covers because uh, uh, I think it's fun to talk about just a lot of these strategies. Yes, we like talking about the players and who we like, but it's it's these kind of short slate strategies and and ways to be unique that make that that are going to make the lineup work. A hundred percent. And again, don't forget if you, if you want to try some cash games in this, because, because you're pivoting so much or your roster construction is so different in your tournament lineups, maybe you allocate some funds. I mean, you know, it's a two game slate, so it's a little different from a cash game standpoint, but I think you can make some perfectly adequate sort of conventional build, uh, or at least slightly conventional build, uh, cash game lineups, and then kind of go like, go all in for, you know, you know, your, your onslaughts and your, your sort of different game scripts and things of that nature for your tournament lineups. Uh, Victor Garcia says, I appreciate the dog <laughs> in the background. Nick. Riggs what, wanted to make an, Riggs wanted to make an appearance. My dog Riggs. Yes. He's now on Riggs. my, he's now on my lap basically. So <laughs> Uh, and Casey, after Chief the great Street. John Riggins, so I was going to ask that because it could be Gerald Riggs too. No, it's after after the great John Riggins. You know, sticking with the Washington. You know, anybody in the chat, if you know John Riggins' number, uh, type it into the chat right now, there and I'll go. give you a shout out. Uh, speaking <laughs> of shout outs, Casey Chiefs three twenty says, "Love the late start, but had nothing to listen to at work today." So <laughs> yeah, normally we'll be on at ten thirty, but I love that you listen to this at work. We will not tell your boss nobody has <laughs> typed in john riggins number yet because apparently we're old so we, <laughs> we are i am yeah <laughs> but they don't know it all right everybody it's 44 jeez you could have googled it you can get um, into my bank accounts now you know <laughs> there's victor garcia I'm, i believe victor garcia that he actually knew that so there he typed like in it. congratulations victor uh we appreciate the uh washington support we certainly certainly require it um meg james a 44 love it uh, i think that's our show like listen what we didn't want to do on this show was like say <laughs> here are our picks like this is this is what we like although we did mention all of those things we mentioned all of the players we mentioned where we thought some of the value was some some of the soft pricing in terms of some of these players but the meg the one thing i wanted to impress upon everybody was roster construction this is a Absolutely. two game slate uh, people say like get weird, but we really kind of wanted to tell you like what we meant, what we mean when we say stuff like that. And like that last lineup we saw, I think it's such a good illustration. I don't know that I'd go one with four skill position players. You could, this guy did it and, and he won on a three game slate, but right. it's that type of construction that you're looking for. Go all in on a game script, go all in on a game, go all in on a team and just make your lineup from there. What, after you go all in on that, then make your lineup uh, from there in terms of filling in the rest of the pieces. Meg, any final thoughts there? Yeah, just absolutely on top of that. It's like they say for showdown, and I just apply this to short slate too, is tell yourself a story of how the game and games are going to go and exactly just build the story out from there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Tell yourself the story and then don't be afraid to break the rules, get weird, but do it in a smart way. 
And it doesn't always have to be the conventional story that that the books are predicting, by the way. It doesn't always have to be that way, especially if you're building a lot of lineups. Come up with a game strip that maybe bucks whatever the, the point spread is, or maybe even bucks whatever the total is. And once you have figured out what that alternative game script is, now you start building your lineup and you mm-hmm. see where, where the chips uh, fall. Our chips are going to fall next at 11 o'clock on Friday. It's going to be me and Mike McClure. We're going to be talking about the Sunday nine-game slate We'll probably touch on the Saturday and Sunday slate if we have time. Hopefully, maybe we'll have a special show or maybe something special on Twitter where we come up and we, we talk about uh, Monday's games, which are on Christmas. Monday's Christmas, right? It's crazy, right? Yeah. It's, cra- yes. it's actually crazy. Um, <laughs> but either way, uh, everybody, thanks for joining us. Um, thanks for the most recent reviews on the podcast. We really appreciate that uh, very much. And we'll see everybody on Fantasy Football today, DFS Friday. Friday.